Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Hi, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good, I'm good. I got one person to wave at me. God, Chris, there you go. Uh, wasn't with you last... Yeah, hello, yes, yeah, thank you. It's just, it's too late. Brad, I'll take yours, but theirs is too late, okay? Uh, I missed you last week, and uh, we have good young preachers, so I don't worry about anything whatsoever. And uh, I was covering my... Uh, I'm at, I hit three more states. I went to Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama. So I'm at 47 states. I only have three to go now. And I've been to all 50. So, you know, all I need is Michigan, Minnesota, North Dakota, and I've completed all 50. Then I can go on vacation wherever I want to after that. So, but uh, we, we did that. And uh, I did try the gumbo three straight nights, three different places in New Orleans. Remember, I like gumbo. Remember the question? And... Uh, the Orleans in Las Vegas still has the best gumbo that I've ever tasted. So just letting you know, it's just, just really good stuff and uh, really enjoyed it. Went on a swamp tour, saw the alligators and, and things like that. My wife tried to throw me in. No, she didn't try to do that. So we had, I had a really good time. But, um, but uh, I think, no, that was all I was going to say. Okay, we're good. Uh, put up Joshua 1.8. This is the verse that uh, I'm taking you through before every message. And uh, it's one of those verses that really sticks to you. Um, uh, oh, I know what I want to tell you. Oh, my gosh. Hold the verse up there. Um, have you all, and I, I don't usually promote a lot of things like this. I, rare, it's rare, but have you guys heard of the movie Nefarious? Has anyone heard of that? It's exactly the point. They will not promote this movie because this movie, it, it exposes the true nature, the demonic behind how people are controlled, why our society is so upside down. It is an incredible movie. It's incredible. It's no longer in the Corona area. It's in Riverside, Ontario. I saw it. Somebody told me about it early last week when I got back. I saw it Thursday night. I don't even want to tell you anything about it because you just got to see it. And it is such a, it's a great movie. And, uh, the critics will hate it because it exposes all the sins of society and it shows it through the demonic and stuff like that. It's incredible. It's just incredible. So for what it's worth, I let you know I'm a movie guy. There it is. Amen. Okay, so Joshua 1.8, would you read this with me? I'm going to count to three. Here we go. One, two, three. This book, let's start over again. I think I jumped too fast, huh? One, two, three. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Now, last time when we read this verse, because I'm giving you one piece at a time as we, as we go to kind of get you familiar with it, talked about the book of the law. This is the first time anyone has ever been guided Joshua in particular will ever be guided by the actual written word because Moses wrote the first five books of the law and now Joshua says this book of the law first time anybody will be guided by the written word but the one thing I want to show you uh, first thing I want to say is he says this book of the law shall not depart from your what from your mouth now that's a very important statement right there because if you remember when Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the desert 
to battle Satan. Remember that? Remember that right there? And Satan throws all the temptations at him because Jesus must be tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. He has to conquer this. And um, as he's tempted, Jesus, uh, the way he battles back and the way he fights off temptation is he tells the devil what? He says, it is written. So now you see from his own mouth, Jesus is quoting scripture right at the devil, right at the temptation that's coming at him. And so it's very important that this book of the law never departs from our mouth. It's something we need to memorize and we need to speak to our situations and especially when things tempt us, speak the word of God at the situation. Amen to that one? Okay, that's the good one for today. So here we go. We're gonna talk about in our next uh, one on the parables, the series. I'm gonna talk about the unjust judge. And if you wanna get there right now, turn to Luke 18 however you have it on a regular Bible or your phone, however you follow that. But I want to begin with a question. Have you ever been misunderstood? Yes. Yeah, it's, not, it's not fun, is it? It's just not a fun thing. Um, have you ever been led to misunderstand someone else? Yes. Yeah, and then when you misunderstood that other person because somebody told you multiple or one thing about them, and then did you ever come to the place where you finally dialogued with them and you found out they're not at all like this person said they were? Anybody ever had that happen to you? And then you kind of almost become like friends and stuff and maybe even real good friends because you've been misled. You, they, you misunderstood because this person told you this about them. Now here's the next question. Have we, do, we, do, we, uh, do we misunderstand God at times? Yeah. Is God misrepresented at times? Yes, he is. And so... We can fall prey to this very same idea of the misrepresentation of God. You think about when, um, when Eve is uh, in the garden at the initial creation, and remember the serpent comes up? Remember the serpent? How many remember the serpent? Okay, good, you're good, we're on the same page. And, this, the, and, and the serpent tempts her to eat, eat, the, eat of the fruit. And she says, you know, if we eat that, we're going to what? We're gonna die which means, means uh, separation from God and then ultimately physical death, but separation from God. And the serpent says, you surely shall not die for God knows. Remember he says, God knows. God knows something, Eve. God knows the day you eat of it, you'll be like a God, you'll know good and evil. In other words, he's telling Eve, oh, wait, Eve, come on. God's a trickster. God's holding on you. God is misrepresenting. He is not telling you the truth. And so now you see the serpent misrepresenting God, amen? And she believes the misrepresentation and therefore she makes a bad decision which results in separation from God because God is misrepresented. And that happens all the time in our society. You hear people talk about God's this way, that way, I'm thinking that's not the way God is. How many remember the story of the, of the, the, the it's a parable, of the talents, the five, two, and the one talent? Anybody remember that one? Yeah, do you remember when, well, the guy with the five talents, he doubles it, and the boss is happy. The guy with the two talents, he doubles it, and the boss is happy. And then the guy with the one talent, he comes up, and he brings a talent to the boss, remember? But he's done nothing with it. And he basically dug a hole, buried it, so he wouldn't lose it. And, he, and, and here's what he tells the boss, if you remember, he says, he says, I knew you, the boss, I knew you, boss, to be a very hard and exacting man, reaping where you do not sow. So knowing that, 
I was afraid. I dug a hole and I buried it. And he, undid, he goes, here, you have what you've given to me. Now, now think about that whole transaction because in the transaction statement, you find the lie, the misunderstanding, the misrepresentation. He tells the boss, and the boss is a picture of God the Father. He tells the boss, you, you reap where you do not sow. In other words, you expect return where you've not planted into my life. Question, what is the man holding in his hand? The very talent. Did the did boss plant into his life? Yes. And now the guy is misrepresenting the boss. And we do that with God all the time. And people do it in the, in the secular world all the time. And so we're going to look at this Jesus more. He gives us this great parable on how God is misrepresented. It's really a parable of contrast. It's the unjust judge. And he's going to contrast this judge, unjust judge, with what God the Father like. And your main, main, um, I guess your key transition statement, which you want to focus on, is found in verse 7, where he says, will not God. Now, some of your Bibles say a little, little different, like maybe how much more God. Because once he tells you all about the unjust judge, he's going to tell you, now how much more God? In other words, God's way better than this. And so I'm going to look at the contrast today. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read three verses. I'm going to do commentary. Then I'm going to do a little thing on obstacles to show you what the widow's facing. Because the widow's a key player in the story too. Then I'm going to give you five points. How many believe I can make it through five points on a Sunday? Wow, you have a lot of confidence, don't you? So I, some of them will be very quick because I, I, I know, because, you know, I, I know. So Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, 2, and 3. Now, let's, let's build the story up a bit um, uh, so we understand what's going on. Verse 1 says, Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Now, the word lose is the idea of filled with thoughts of worry. Anyone ever struggle with that, by the way? Quite, raise your hand, thoughts of worry. Okay. Yeah, it's, it, it's very common. But... When he says, do, do, not, uh, do not lose heart with thoughts of worry and then heart, it's the, and then context is prayer, pray at all times. It's almost like he's telling us, look, you got to learn to pray past quitting points. You can't throw in the towel in prayer because worry can suck the life out of your prayer life, right? Any man's on that one? It, it can really do a number on our brain right there. So, so praying past quitting points. Then verse 2, saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. Okay, this is the unjust judge. Now let me tell you what this guy's all about in that day. These judges, they would come to a certain city and they would spend three to five days in that city. They're going to come and hear all the disputes between people. They would set up a tent and they would hear the cases in that tent. They would have assistants and their assistants would help them out. Anybody could stand around and watch these cases going on all day. It was like an ancient, like Judge Judy or something like that, right? It's what's going on right here. The assistant, and by the way, there were so many cases to be heard that most people did not get their cases heard because, of the, because there's too many. And so the way you got in 
to get your case heard if you really wanted it heard is you would bribe one of the assistants. And if you could bribe that guy, he could get you in and he could get your case heard. So it's a really corrupt system. I mean, but, you know, the guy's got control and, and power. Now, I want you to notice something that might, you, may, you may not catch or maybe you did, but look back at verse 2. What's interesting about the judge in his approach to life and everything else? He says he doesn't fear God and he doesn't respect. Does he care about anybody? He really doesn't. He cares only about himself. Now think about it. Doesn't fear God, doesn't respect men. Think. Jesus was asked one day, what are the greatest commandments? And we know the top two, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit and love your neighbor as yourself. You take those two right there and you look at him. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't respect man. He is the antithesis. He's the opposite of the top two commandments. Amen? And so you start to see this idea of what this guy really should be about but isn't about. He just doesn't care about people. Now, verse 3. There was a widow. Now, this widow, she, she's, she's awesome. I like her in the story. In that city, there was a widow in that city. And she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. Notice it says she kept coming to him, all right? Now, before I get into that idea, let me give you three obstacles that this lady's facing in that culture, in that day, a couple thousand years ago. To understand that gives you a full understanding of why she goes about and does what she does. The three things in your notes, bullet points. The first one is, she is a woman. Now you say, what's the bit? Well, in that culture, in that day, um, a woman really is not going to get in the courtroom. She's not considered on par with, with males in that, in that culture a couple thousand years ago. So she's not going to get in that courtroom. The second thing is, she's a widow. So because she's a widow, she has no husband to get her through the door in that courtroom, right? And the third thing is, she, widows were poor. I'm assuming she's poor because she's a widow. Now, since she's poor, what doesn't she not have the money to do? Bribe. So she can't bribe anybody to get in there. So she's got three strikes against her. So you got to imagine this woman. There's no hope. Three obstacles. I can't get in there. I need legal protection. So what's the only thing she can do? She starts to badger the judge. Remember, anybody can be watching this, right? So she comes up. Can you imagine this woman? She's sitting there during the proceedings and she's yelling at the judge. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine after the day's over and the judge walks home, you think she followed him home? I think she did. I think she followed him home. I think she stood outside yelling for that judge. Give me legal protection. Evening comes, she goes home. The judge has to get up next morning, come back. Do you think when he woke up in the morning, he looked out the curtain first? Because who's out there waiting for him? The woman, right? And he has to come out. He's got to go. He's got to go. And she's badgering him and badgering him all the way. Let me tell you, because some of you know exactly what this is about. How many of you have raised children? How many ever took those children to a store where there was candy or toys? And then when your children saw the candy or the toys, what typically happened? They start to, you run, but yeah, but they... 
they start to badger you, right? Mom, Dad, please, I just want that. Just give me this. And they're pointing the candy, and, and it's so bad, and they're louder. And I know I'm not going to buy you. Please. And then you get them by the arm. Let's go. And all of a sudden, they can't even walk anymore, right? They're just like the blob on the ground. And they can't move. And they're like, oh, Dad, please, just give me that. And they're badgering you and badgering you and badgering you until finally you say what? You gave in, huh? You caved. Because it's kind of embarrassing, isn't it? Your kid's screaming at the top of their lungs. And so you turned into what? Uh, okay, verse 4. You turned into a verse 4. For a while he was unwilling, but afterwards. So in other words, you turned into after a while. You caved, right? And this judge, after a while, he's going to cave to this woman because she just will not leave him alone. Now, I'm going to read the rest of the verses, then I'm going to give you five things. Now, listen, very important. Verse 1 started off with prayer. Remember that? So this is the whole idea of what God is like that gives us the confidence to come to God in prayer and to keep coming to our Father in heaven in prayer and to be close to Him. Now, so let's look at the contrast. Look at verses, I'm going to read 4 through 7. For a while, he was unwilling. But afterward, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God, nor respect man, yet because of this, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said? Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I got five things, five contrasts in the story. So here we go. And hopefully this clears up the misunderstanding of what God is like because that's what Jesus is doing. Number one, the first contrast is this. We come to a loving father, not an unjust judge. Amen? Does the unjust judge care about anybody? Does our Heavenly Father care about humanity? Does He love His kids? Yes, that's right. Let me illustrate what the Father is all about. We have a loving Father. I haven't said this in a while. Let's see if you remember. What's my favorite story? Prodigal son. That's right, prodigal son. Now, in case you don't know the story of the prodigal son, I think it's the greatest story. It's so uh, complete. But let me just fill you in on some gaps so you get, get to what I'm trying to tell you today about a loving father, what he's really like. You have a son. He's not even the eldest. It's in Luke 15. He's not even the eldest son. He asked dad for his part of the inheritance. Dad's not dead yet. So when you ask a father in that day for your inheritance, what are you actually telling your father? You're dead to me. It's like saying, you're dead to me. Just give me the money and I'm going. Dad gives him the money. The kid takes off. He's a young man. He goes out and he begins to party like it's 1984 or whatever, right? <laughs> some of you got that. Some of you didn't. It's okay, all right? You're going, that was like 40 years ago, you know. Um, but he begins to party and he spends all the money until he's got no money left. Now remember, he has hurt dad very badly by taking that money and saying, you're dead to me. Now he has no money and he's hungry. 
And he's looking for a way to eat, and he gets a job. It says he attaches himself to a citizen of that foreign land because he goes far away. And the guy puts him out there to feed the pigs. Remember that? You assume the prodigal son is a Jewish boy. Should Jewish boys be around pigs? That's a bad, bad gig right there, guys. He's so hungry, though, he wants to eat what the pigs are eating. It's that bad. And so one night, he's sitting there, and he finally is laying down on his little whatever cot he's sleeping on, lays down, and he thinks to himself, in the middle of the night, he thinks to himself this, because it says he comes to his senses. He thinks, how many of my father's employees have it better than me? And I'm starving here. Has he hit rock bottom? Do some people need to hit rock bottom? It's hard to watch, huh? It's hard not to help them, huh? But some people just keep defaulting to the same old thinking over and over again until they finally get to a point where it's rock bottom and they're willing to think, my head's clearing up my dad was a good guy and he gets up and he starts walking home and as he's walking home he starts to rehearse a repentance speech because even the hired hired workers have it better than he has it right there eating pig food he starts rehearsing he's walking home and he says father I've sinned against heaven in your sight I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. In other words, I know I can't be a son anymore, but just give me a job. That's all I want. So the kid walks home. And his dad is out there. Remember, dad has been hurt by the son. But the father's a picture of God, God in heaven. He sees the son coming. Do you think the father was looking for that boy every day? And you know your kid. You know that little stroll, the way they walk, their gait, right? And he sees his boy coming. He knows it's his kid. My boy's coming home. And dad runs at him. Now, if you're the son and you see dad running at you, what are you thinking? Oh, yikes. But he comes and he grabs a hold of his boy and he starts kissing. The Greek says he repeatedly kisses him. And then the kid goes, Dad, Dad, wait, I got a speech. I got to tell you something, Dad. And he said, okay, son, what do you got to say? He goes, goes, Father, I've sinned. I've sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he's going to say, make me a hire son. Just give me a job. Does he ever get to say that? The father stops him. Mm -mm. And the father says, quickly, quickly, put a robe on my boy right now. And you see, the father just accepts, the father lovingly takes him in. See, the father doesn't judge him. He doesn't put him down. The boy has hurt the father badly. The boy has embarrassed the family badly. But when the boy hit rock bottom and repented, he comes to the father, and we have a loving father that wants his kids back. Amen to that one? And you always got to remember that because every one of us is going to make some dumb mistakes. Any knuckleheads besides me here? Right, yeah. Not, don't raise your hand that you think I'm a knucklehead but you're a knucklehead okay just set that clear right now right? okay so we had come to a loving father never forget your father in heaven loves you number two we are God's children not strangers 
We are God's children, not strangers. What's the only thing the woman can do but does not have the ability to do to get in to see the judge? She's got to bribe him, right? That's the only way she gains access in, in to see him. Now, let's talk about access in our Heavenly Father, all right? Now, I, I have, a, I, anybody know what this is? Nobody knows. Nobody works out. Okay, let's try something else. Anybody know what that is? Oh, okay, good. But they give you access, right? You get in through the door somewhere. The first one was LA Fitness, okay, okay. There are things where you go in and lift these heavy things and stuff like that. Okay. okay, access. So I'll be in my office studying, and there's windows on, on our offices, and they're there for reasons. But I'm going to be studying away and in the books and everything. And, I, you know, I know the staff knows don't bother me when I'm in the middle of it. But my grandkids can come in at that time. And they'll come in the office and there's the window there. And they're like banging on the window and they're looking at me. What do you think I do at that time? No one else can come in and bug me. My little grandkids come in. Can they come in and bug me anytime they want? You better believe they can. I open the door. Come on in, man. We're going to have a good time now. Now, the other side of that is if I was studying and you came in and knocked on the door, window, I'd be going. (laughs) But here's the point my kids have access. Here's the point you're God's kid, right? And you always have access. You always have access to the Father. He's a loving Father, and you always have access to the Father. It's always that way. Number three, she was a widow, but we are a bride. In Scripture, we're the bride of Christ. Now, let me say this out loud, just for the record. I don't like being anyone's bride. (laughs) Do you guys know what I mean, right? I just just never have liked that kind of... But I understand it... (laughs) I understand it just means I'm in union with with Christ, correct? Now, I'm going to just think out loud here. So I'm going to ask you guys the questions here. I'm going to think out loud. Let's say, okay, um, if you're married, the day you got married and you put in all that money for four hours, remember that day? (laughs) Right? It's like... But you go through the whole thing, the vows, the I do's, the wedding dress, you buy the suits and the cake and this and that, and you stuff cake in the face and the picture of the photographer and all that and the whole shot and the, you, you do the dance and everything and, 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 the, and, the, and, and after you did all that and it's like 10 o'clock at night, guys, grooms, did you turn to your bride and say, and I'm just thinking out loud, did you say, well, it's been real. I'll see you around. <laughs> and then get in your car and drive away? Did you do that? Please tell me you didn't do that. Now, you didn't do that because you're in union with this person. You want to go on your? Oh, four of you had the guts. Four of you had the guts to say, anyway. The rest of you going, oh, anyway. Yeah, you, you entered into union, right? Because you ladies, you are the bride. You're in union with this person. Well, she's a widow. 
But you and I, we're the bride of Christ. We're in union with Christ. So we have a loving father who loves us. We have access to him at all times. And we are the bride always in union with our father in heaven. Amen to that one? And by the way, guys, you didn't drive off because you spent a lot of money, right? Okay, I'm just making sure on that one right there. Okay. Now, number four, she went alone, but we have representation. She went alone, but we have representation. Widows are alone, brides aren't. She has no husband to get her through the door. She doesn't have the, the money from that husband to bribe one, one of the assistants. But we, we are not alone. And this is one of the big, big deals of our faith. Would you put the verse up on the screen? First John 2, 1. Watch what John says about Jesus. He says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. righteous. Okay. The word advocate there, it means defense attorney. Okay, I got a big question. I got a couple things I want to say. Who in this room? And you're in church, so we're, we're good, you know. There's no judgment you sometimes feel like you're the bad one in this room. Raise your hand. Raise it up. You're the bad one. Raise it up. Come on, I want to see it. You're the bad one. Okay. You are. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Don't give me time off next time, okay? Let me be honest with you. I'm going to ask the question now, and I want everyone to raise your hand. Who's the bad one in this room? Come on, everybody. We're all the bad ones. We're all the bad ones. Do we have, are we worthy enough to make it into the presence of God and be in union with, no, we're not, right? But we have this advocate, defense attorney, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Do you know the revelations, and by the way, how many of you, you're in that battle, and it seems like it's so regular, where Satan is bombarding your head and bombarding your head with accusation of how bad you are. Now, and therefore, when you think you're so bad, is it really easy for you to to come to God and say, Lord, I have these prayer requests, or is that something like, forget it, I'm the terrible one. Anybody? But you have a defense attorney, you have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, who he's the one that represents you and I, who are the bad people before a holy God in heaven. Amen? And it's his blood that washes away all our sins and declares us righteous and opens the door for us to come to God anytime we want. Any amens on that? Okay, now, 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 let me take this uh, a a step further. Now, she had nothing to bribe with. Let's drill down further. This This is for somebody in this room. She had nothing to bribe with. Don't you and I bribe God at times? God, I've been a good boy. I've been a good girl. Anybody? I've been a good I've been a good boy lately, God. So see, I've earned my ability to talk to you and for you to answer my prayer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, I need to know. Okay. Where does that come from? How'd you come to that place? 
What happened in our childhood? Because I know the feeling. What happened in our childhoods that we became, I'm the good boy, I'm the good boy, I'm the good girl, to bring peace or to be recognized in the family? Did anybody just relate to that right there? Raise your hand if you relate to that. And then you grow up. And if you don't catch that, then what you're doing is you're taking the way you related to your earthly family, which is misrepresentation of God the Father, and you're turning to God and thinking, I can bribe God to listen to me by being a good boy or a good girl. Am I right? The problem with that is you'll never be good enough. And the other problem with that is God already loves you and He's a loving Father and you're in union with Him and it doesn't matter if you messed it up last week or this morning, He still loves you. And you're still in union with Him. You want to be a good kid, I do too. But you know what? That's not what's going to get me through the door. What's going to get me through the door with God the Father is I have an advocate, a defense attorney, Jesus Christ the righteous. Amen? It has nothing to do with what you and I can do. It has to do with who He is and what He's done in our faith in Him. Amen to that one right there? That right there should just free you. Should free you in this moment. That God's door is always open to you. You don't have to have 10 days of, I haven't committed that sin in 10 days. Anybody know what that's like? I haven't done it in 10 days, so God, I think about now, I'm clean enough to come into you. Really? No, you were clean enough because of the blood of Jesus and what he's done in your life and my life. Amen? Amen. We have an advocate with the Father. Now, number five. She went to a court of law. We go to a throne of grace. <clears throat> he could care less about her. He, he could care less if she had a good case or not. So, she's tr- there was nothing about her, nothing that she had that would merit her getting in that door. So, She's trying to get in there on worthiness. So let me, let me talk about this grace thing, okay? Remember the prodigal son? Anybody remember that? Okay, good. So the prodigal son comes to the dad. And remember, he makes a statement. He says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. Make me a hired servant. And before he says, make me one of your hired servants, the father says, quickly, put on him a what? A robe. And put on him a what? A ring. And put on him a what? Shoes. And fourthly, do what? Slay the fattened calf for a big party, right? And the fattened calf is the only person unhappy to see the prodigal come home. (laughs) Right? He's like, oh, it's my, my turn. Oh, gosh. You know. Okay, but did you catch what we just all said right here? The father says, put on him a what? And by the way, let's talk real quick with the robe. The prodigal son, when he comes home, do you think he looks really good? He's filthy, huh? He's stinky, huh? And so put on him a robe. This is the full-length father's robe. This is called the best robe. And so when he puts it on him, it covers up all the what? All the stink and all the dirt. So if you are looking, at him, he goes, that guy looks clean as clean gets. He looks fine. And you and I have been clothed with the robe of righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen? And all the stink and all the filth, everything's been washed away. Never forget that. But he says, number one, put on him a what? A robe. Secondly, put on him a what? 
a ring. That's the authority. You come back in the full authority of, of, of the Father. And then he said, put on him a what? Shoes. And you wear the shoes. How lovely on the feet of the mountain are him who brings good news. You and I are the ambassadors for Christ. And then he says, and do what for my son? Kill the fat and calves, have a big party for my son who was dead is now alive because when we were unsaved we were dead to God and when we became saved gave our, put faith in Christ we became alive to God right here's the question <clears throat> did the boy put the robe on himself did the boy put the ring on himself did the boy put the shoes on himself did the boy slay the fat and calf it was all done for him did he deserve any of it? No. That's all grace. And John wrote of Jesus that in John chapter 1 that he's in this fullness there is grace upon grace and I'll add more upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace and upon grace. That God just graces you and he graces you and he graces you. It's unmerited favor. It's unearned favor that you have a Father in Heaven that just wants you and cares about you, that you can always come to Him no matter what. How many of you had a child and they just messed up bad in their teens, early 20s, and they came back to talk to you and they needed help? Anybody ever go through that? What did you do as a father or mother? You gave them grace, huh? You saw the brokenness in their life and you give them grace. And I'll use the phrase here, how much more God? How much more God to you and to me when we blow it, when we mess it up, that he gives us grace and we can come to him in prayer and not be afraid that he would reject us because he doesn't. Now verse eight, now watch this. I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's a weird statement, isn't it? Well, why would you, what are you talking about, Jesus? Okay, let me try to piece it together of why this statement is here. So he starts in verse 1 with this whole idea of coming to God in prayer. Don't lose heart. Don't quit. Keep seeking God. And he tells us all about what God's really like versus the unjust judge. We can always come to the Father no matter what we've done, no matter what's happened in our life. Now, this is chapter 18. Do you guys know what chapter 17 is about in Luke? And remember, back then, there were no chapter breaks. There were no verse breaks. It's just one big scroll. So it's just reading like one long story. In chapter 17, Jesus just ended talking about end times and specifically in the end times he talked about he mentions Noah and he mentions Sodom of Sodom and Gomorrah in the days of Noah we know that only eight people are saved in the days of Sodom there's about four people who get saved and that's it and that's it and so when you put that together and you find here in verse 8 as it progresses along and he says when the son of man comes is a son of man going to come back you better believe he's going to come back and he's going to execute judgment and he's going to execute justice on this world but he's also remember he says will he find faith on earth if you go back to 17 8 in Noah's day 4 in Sodom and Gomorrah that's all that basically got saved what's he telling us what's he saying he's saying almost like this it's like is there will there be a lot of people saved just a little bit of people saved compared to the whole population it'll be a little will he find faith 
And the bigger question is, if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ or you backslid, what are you doing? Are you gonna be one of the few that, that believes in Christ and when he comes back, it's gonna be good for you? Are you gonna say, nah, I'm gonna be the one where he says, I didn't find faith there. Which one are you gonna be? Because that's the real issue right there because Jesus brings it home. He's telling you how great the Father is. What a great loving God this is. Forget about the misinterpretations of the world. This is what he's really like. Come to him and don't miss out and be judged and be uh, one, of the, one of the many that miss out on the salvation of God. I think that's what he's saying. I think that's what he's telling us. And boy, do we live in a day where you and I would look around and say, we're in the end times for sure. Amen. Amen. And so maybe today's your day. Maybe today's the day for you to place your faith in Christ and begin walking with him and be one of the ones who escapes the judgment that you're gonna come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because he opened the door for you. Forget about your religion. Forget about misconceptions. Forget about presuppositions. Here's what it's all about. What are you gonna do with that? Because it will be your responsibility as my responsibility to put my faith in Christ. So with that said, let's close our eyes and let's pray. God, I pray for anyone in this room that has never placed their faith in Jesus. I pray for everyone in this room, anyone in this room that has backslid and walked away from you. Will he find faith on this earth when he comes back? I pray for you. I pray because you're in a struggle right now. Will you put your faith in Christ or not? That's just a simple struggle. It's a spiritual battle that's waging war in you right now. There are literal demons and angels waging war right now in your head. And you thought they were your thoughts. And I just pray for you to that you confess your faith in Christ. So with that said, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. If you'd like to place your faith in Christ or you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, then I'm going to say this prayer out loud. And I want you to repeat it after me as a sign between you, me, and God. You just got to believe in Jesus, that he came, he's the God-man who came to earth, they, they, they crucified him, killed him, he was buried, and that he rose from the dead. That is the main frame of Christianity. But you've got to believe it. And I'm going to say this prayer in a moment, in a moment. But you've just got to believe it. So if you'd like to put your faith in Jesus or rededicate your life, I want you right now as a sign between you, me, and God, I want you to open up your eyes and look up at me right now. Just do it right now. And once we connect eyes, you can close your eyes. Now, I'm going to say this prayer. I want all the Christians to repeat it out loud after me in the room. And those who looked up at me, you say it with us and you put your faith in Jesus. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you would give your life for me. Thank you for shedding your blood to forgive me forgive me of my sins and I know I'm forgiven 
I surrender my life to you. Come dwell in me, Holy Spirit, and change me. Today I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. Now allow me to pray for you. God, I pray for everyone who looked up. I pray for you, for you, friend. Because I was where you were at one time in my life. When I made that transition from death to life where the Spirit of God came to live in me and it changed everything. As you put faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, came to live in you. That's an amazing thing. You have now entered into union with Christ and everything we shared about today pertains to you now. Because you're a child of God. I pray that you walk with Christ. I pray you take the next steps to really, really dig in good foundation of your faith. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. They're in the lobby. Or our, our team, after our prayer team will get you a Bible also. Start reading in the New Testament and, and read that over and over again for a couple years. Stay in the New Testament because you're a New Testament believer. It talks about the person that you are following now, Jesus Christ. And then after that, you can start learning your Old Testament. But we thank you, God, that all of heaven rejoices over anyone who repents and comes to you, Jesus. Because it's a glorious moment in their life. It's a glorious moment in heaven when this happens. Thank you that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. That we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said... Amen and amen. Stand up with me, everybody. Now, you guys ready? Here we go, with gusto. Lord, keep me outward focused. And fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. God bless you guys. I hope you take advantage of next steps. Go talk to me. God bless you. Have a great day. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.